All right, so Justin, I asked you a question right at the end, and that is not the same as the prosperity gospel, obviously, but it sounds like a prosperity yeah. gospel, don't you think? No, I agree. I mean, my answer to your question is yes. Um, mm. I can't remember exactly how you framed it. Is is this movement, you know, so Reconstructionism, mm-hmm. this kind of stuff, is this a form of prosperity theology? Like a new form. I mean, that's how I'm going to frame yeah. it. A new yeah. form and a, a mm-hmm. form. It, yeah. yeah. My answer is yes. And my initial response is this. I'm going to go kind of theological and biblical covenant stuff. So what's the error in one sense of prosperity gospel theology? Like, like the, so the prosperity gospel is, you know, if you, if you have faith and enough faith, in other words, if you do the right thing faith wise, then the Lord's going to bless you here and now. Um, well, what is that? That's effectively a misunderstanding of the biblical covenants because they'll go to old Testament texts that were obviously under the old covenant. So Abrahamic, Mosaic, Davidic, old covenant arrangement, right? Where the Lord is promising temporal prosperity and blessing for obedience to the law. Mm -hmm. Think most pointedly Deuteronomy 28, right? The blessings and the curses related to the Mosaic covenant. If you do good and you obey and you keep the commandments, here's all the good I'm going to do you materially, you know, in terms of your offspring and your land and your crops and the whole thing. But then if you disobey, here's all the ways that you're going to be cursed and cut off and and there's a bunch of them, right? And the disaster and the calamity that's going to come upon you. And then there are a lot of verses throughout the Old Testament, even from the, the prophets about the Lord making promises to his people about how he's going to defend them and how any weapon fashioned against them will not prosper and all of these kinds of things. And we just kind of rip those from their context. The prosperity gospel preachers rip those from their context. And they just say, say, see, if you're, if you have faith, this is going to be true for you. You're going to be a conqueror. You're going to be an overcomer because you're strong and you have the divine in you and all these kinds of things. There's all kinds of stuff going on there. Well, I, I think brother that the reason I answer yes to your question is because when I survey the landscape of reconstructionism and Christian nationalism and some of those kinds of things, I do think that there's a tendency to do this very same thing, misunderstand the biblical covenants. And you take it out of context and you look to these old covenant paradigms and you see rewards for faithfulness and curses for disobedience and all of these kinds of things. And you're, you're like, you know, if we would be faithful, if we would be obedient, um, even, you know, overlaying this into the new Testament in terms of like if we're faithful and we're obedient and we're concerned enough and disciplined enough, then the Lord's going to bless that and our land will prosper, mm-hmm. right? If we're obedient and we do and we live as we should and we mm-hmm. obey the commandments and we even establish a la theonomy, we even establish effectively the Mosaic law as the law of the land. If we do all this stuff, then God is going to do X. Mm-hmm. If this, then that. If we do our part, then God's going to bless it. If we were faithful, if we as the church were what the church is supposed to be, then America would be different. I do think so it's a kind of easy listening of the theology prosperity of theology. Of course. Yeah. Of course it's a theology of glory. Now we got shot yeah. at because we mm-hmm. did an episode that released, I think February one or something called mm-hmm. crusade for glory, where we were kind of considering a number of things, not unrelated to what we're talking about today. No. Uh, Just revisiting and, it. But it's very clear that there is a theology of glory in the church 
and amongst individual Christians, but then mm-hmm. even as it pertains to the church and how that how the church relates to the culture, there you it's undeniable. And mm-hmm. I don't care right now that like Luther was hesitant to apply theology of the cross to political theology. That's fine. But I think the principles absolutely carry over where yeah. we tend to think that we're going to create something that's very strong here and now. And we're going to create this kind of Christian society that's clearly strong and good here and now, and the world's going to look at it and marvel. Uh, I just don't know that that's true. Now, the world can look at the local church and marvel. Yeah, The Lord displays well, his a, wisdom through the local to. church, Ephesians 3.10, right? Yeah, The church is a city to. set on a hill, right? That's All right. that's true. Let but the idea glo- that we're going to turn your America— works and glorify your Father, that's right. Amen. But the idea that we're going to turn America into the city on a hill, you know, yeah. that America is going to be the light of the world— uh, or, or Britain or whatever whatever nation it is, I don't care. Like we're going to build this society that becomes the light. That's just not, no. That's well, not what it we're goes told. back to Paul's view. He says, God has chosen the weak things of the world, not powerhouses. So he's not choosing American powerhouse or any national country that's a powerhouse. And um, it, he's choosing a method of fumbling, bumbling preachers, weak and poor uh, discombobulated bodies to right. spread the power of God. It's like, it's interesting how he chooses right. the weak methods and we're like, no, he's going to use the United States as powerhouse. And I'm like, no, he's not. It doesn't well, say that. Yeah. I mean, several things, right? I mean, we don't need the church, Christians, Christianity. We do not need political or governmental influence in order to accomplish the mission. Never have. That's, that's obvious. We never have. We no. never will. Now, I want to be really clear, and I know this is SR. It's not the broad pod, so uh, the 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 big one. I like the like broad where, pod. Where, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that just happened. I don't know. Um, so it's not the the main episode that's going to be listened to by a lot more people, but uh, and I know that most of the folks listening to this are going to be right where we are anyway. But I'm going to say yeah. it nonetheless. Maybe do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should like pray for persecution or that we should seek for America to be as pagan as possible or whatever so that you know the division between the separation between the common and redemptive kingdom is more obvious i i am not saying that i mm-hmm. i am a first timothy 2 2 guy i mean in our pastoral prayers in our church every time we pray pastoral prayers a piece of what we pray for is we pray for our leaders yep. that god would that we give might them live wisdom Yep. That right, that they would rule with justice and equity, so that we might live peaceful and godly lives, quiet, you know, quiet and godly lives, peaceful and dignified in every way. Right? Mm-hmm. We pray that, and so I think that absolutely, when the government is not corrupt and the government upholds freedom and liberty, people profit from that. But that's a political concern in the common kingdom. That's not the mission of the church, and the church does. It's easier to exist as the church in a land where you're not oppressed to meet. You know, so I'm not saying that that's what we should seek or pray for or just, ah, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, we don't care about freedom. That's absurd. Of course we yeah. do. But I am saying that let's not cons- let's let- conflate real, significant political and social concerns in the common kingdom that we should care about. Let's right. not conflate that with the preaching of Christ and the that's salvation right. of God's elect. Let's not do that. And that is the mission of the church is the salvation of the elect. I mean, think about this. This is a connection for you, Justin. And then, you know, I'll be pretty much done. Um, 
he says, <coughs> Ephesians 4, when the body functions properly, it builds itself mm-hmm. up in love. Love is what God uses to advance because we love God, we love neighbor. Jesus says, when you, the world will know you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. And so God is giving the emphasis of the church, function together as you should. From that, you will be a light on a hill. Your love is what's going to spread to the culture around you. It's going to give you other opportunities to give an answer to of the hope that lies within you, right? Yeah. So the emphasis is built upon the unity and common union of Christ. We're all in union with Christ. So we have this common union together, and that creates this bond together, and that allows us to have hope in the midst of suffering. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we weep with those who rejoice. So it creates this massive army globally where if each church is doing what it's supposed to be doing, then you have these lighthouses all over the planet that are drawing the lost to themselves, right? Mm-hmm. So that to me seems like very consistent with Scripture, it consistent with every letter. Uh, Paul's like traveling around, popping up all these little embassies, these little lighthouses, right? And he's like, look, this is how you guys got to stay focused on your mission. Mm-hmm. And the mission is not their current culture. Their mission no. is like, how do we get the light? First of all, how do we get you to grow in Christ so then you can be a light for Christ, right? It, there's, there's always a flip in the nature. And um, anyways, I, I think we're becoming redundant. But the reason I'm saying that is that it changes your messaging to where instead of, hey, by the way, if you do this, it's going to most likely you're going to suffer. As a matter of fact, Philippians says this. It's not only been granted to you to be saved, mm-hmm. but also to suffer for my sake. I think right. every, is it safe to say, but besides Jude, every epistle warns you of the suffering waiting for you? First John does, James does, Peter does, I know Corinthians does, I know Philippians, Colossians. <laughs> Sorry. It's just there's not a there yeah. is definitely not a prosperity perspective coming other than the hope that is of his return of Christ. So no, anyways. Right. And that might be no, a cheap shot. And I'm not tr- I'm not trying to be cheap shot here, but Justin, as I'm listening to us talk, I'm like, this just feels like another brand of prosperity gospel. Make America great again. Well, it's certainly, yeah, I think. It's a it's a version of a prosperity theology. It's a version of a theology of glory. It definitely, like we said, it's an over-realized eschatology. We're yeah. trying to turn this world into something that it never will be. And uh, the church can be faithful as the day is long, and the nation in which the church exists be corrupt as all get out. I mean, that's the bottom line. Like yeah. to, The idea, again, that if the church is faithful in a land, then the whole, the government is transformed. Um, yep. I, I don't think that holds. I, I, I don't no. think you can argue that. Maybe, but not necessarily. And so when you make that maybe like your pursuit or a significant piece of your pursuit, I think that a lot of confusion results from it. And uh, we shouldn't tether the success of the church to the state of the land broadly. Yeah, The health of the and church it- yeah, is is related to the proclamation of law and gospel and the administration of the sacraments and the salvation of God's people. And are, are the saints being built up in love unto maturity in Christ? You know, that's yeah. what we need to concern ourselves with anyway. I'm done. I, yeah, I got one last thought. Even when James is writing to the churches that are in dispersia because of persecution, he doesn't say go back into those cities and take over. Sure. All right, I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and with that, abrupt ending. Hey, yeah, there we go. Hey, guys, thanks for interacting with us in the app and on social media. Um, Theocast continues to grow. I'll just share this with you. We're going to put in a, an email later this month, but... 
Um, you know, we're on uh, AGTV, American Gospel TV. That has really helped us reach a lot more people. There's like 10,000 people on that platform. Uh, we're now on a program a website called One Place, which is a pretty big radio program. And we, uh, our free ebook was sent out to 150,000 people. And so we're seeing more and more people download mm-hmm. that free ebook. So we're just really thankful to see more people find this message. We're not trying to create an empire. We're just helping the light of the kingdom grow. And you are definitely a part of that. And so I encourage you. um, My encouragement is if your church is listening to Theocast and a part of it, and you want to put us on your mission board, we'd we'd love to be a part of that. Much as much. Yeah. yeah. Justin and I. Yeah, especially if you're a pastor out there. Yeah. If you're a pastor out there listening, uh, consider putting Theocast on your church's missions budget. We'd be grateful. And uh, pray for GRN. It's uh, growing, and we're going to have our first meeting in October. So, all right, I'm it. Love you guys. Talk soon. Peace. (laughs)